0: Welcome to a very special episode of The Edge. The sporting world can be a very competitive place, but it can also be a place where you find people who share similar values and interests. A place where you can create genuine, long-lasting friendships. These friends can push you to become a better person and even a better athlete. In this episode, our guests are Formula E drivers and best friends André Lotterer and Jean-Éric Verne. Their camaraderie is unique refreshing and so legendary, they've even got a name for it, jean The two friends talk to each other about the moments that shaped them, their shared passions and how the friendship changed the attitudes towards racing. The two friends talk to each other about the moments that shaped them, their shared passions and how their friendship changed their attitudes towards racing. So without getting in their way, I'm going to hand the mics over to André and J.E.V. I'm Theo van der Brucker. welcome to The Edge. A podcast by Tag Heuer.
1: So, hey everyone, I'm uh, Andre Lotterer and um, I'm racing for the Tag Heuer Porsche Formula E team. And I'm sitting in front of Jean Eric Verne, who was Myself? my teammate. Yes, yes.
2: So, I'm, I'm Jean Eric Verne. Um, people call me Jev uh, just because Jean Eric is too long. <laughs> and uh, I'm racing for the SDGTA in Formula E. And since then,
1: very good friends yeah first time we met uh was uh not in a good (laughs) (laughs) situation for me i uh just um lost the 24 hours of le mans due to retirement i was in the lead uh comfortably with actually around 40 45 minutes gap um yeah and then in the last two hours my engine broke and um yeah that would have been my fourth victory so for sure i was bummed out and um yeah j jeff came to to the Porsche hospitality to to say hi and I don't remember exactly what you said i'm sorry and well,
2: i remember that you were actually kind of of i wouldn't say happy but uh I probably had a glass of two of of champagne i don't know because it was the end of the 24 twenty exactly and uh you you seem to be in good company uh and uh with a smile on your face, so I came to see you. And uh, say, hey, I'm I'm Jeff. I did not even know you were speaking French, so I spoke English to you. And um, basically, yeah, presenting myself. Said, I'm sorry for your race, man. I'm, I mean, it looked good. I'm. I feel sorry for you. And Andre looked at me and uh, I said, oh. don't know what came out of his mouth. Oh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I he passed
2: in front of me, and I was like, what is this guy? Like, I couldn't believe it. I was in shock. I mean, I I heard he was a nice guy, but after that, it was. Yeah, not. Uh, it wasn't not a really good nice first impression. Was,
1: no. I didn't. I remembered you came, but and I, I know I didn't have uh, any intention to to reject you. <laughs> so maybe I was just uh, in my own world and processing my thoughts. But it was very nice for of you to to come. I, I appreciate.
2: So how did we became friends? Well, Quick that, turnaround, huh? That's uh, that's a funny story. Um, <laughs> well, the, the the story is. Um, that uh, towards the a few months after the twenty-four hours of Le Mans, Porsche pulled out. Porsche pulled out. Yeah. Yes, and um, so therefore, I mm-hmm. mean, I, I will I will only talk about my side of the story where uh, my team uh, Tichita uh, was partnering with um, with DS, and for the following year they wanted to have only one French driver, and I was teammate with Stéphane Sarrazin, and therefore they wanted to hire a new driver. Um, which okay, was fine. Um, and um, I had my word to say back then in, in this team since I had some, uh, some shares and I uh, yeah, had some voting I mean voting rights or whatever, but not that is interesting, but uh, basically the team needed my approval to, to sign uh, the second driver. And, um, and uh, on the top of the list came André Lothter. And I was—you can imagine—that after the first impression I had in Lemo, I said, "I don't want to know this guy. I don't want to have him in my in my team next to me in the car. Like nah, it's not gonna go." So I—I I, I, I mean, I pulled the handbrake big time on my team. I said, "No, never. You're never gonna hire this driver. Otherwise, I go and I cannot work with him." And uh, it was probably a little bit, you know, too much what I said, but. A few person in the team told me uh, that knew already. Andre, they said man, I don't know why you say that because honestly, you guys are gonna be best friend. I heard it for one guy, two guys, and I was like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I went on holiday in Saint-Tropez. Um, I was on the call with uh, the, the boss of the team, uh, Edmund Munchu, who told me I uh, had a, a little bit of an argument, a fight, and uh, and uh, basically we hung up the phone and saying, okay, Jeff, go on, on your holiday and you know when uh, when you're calm and. Not calm, but we, you know, when you have a, a better view of the situation, you can come be back and uh, we speak in a week. Fine. I went for we went for Lucas um, Degrassi birthday and also title celebration and on the beach in Saint-Tropez. And it was a big, big table we were probably 20 people, and uh, I was one of the first ones to arrive, so I sat at, at an angle of the table on, on the corner. And I was talking to my neighbor on the right, and, and uh, at some point the table became quite full, and sitting next to me was Andre Lotera. Quick story short, um the lunch started at one p m long f- story short, yeah, what did I say? <laughs> quick story short, ah, yeah, long story short, so <laughs> 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 yeah, because the day was was not quick. <laughs> we ended up um i mean i'm i'm gonna I'm not gonna talk about the details, but all we know is that we made a phone call to En moon was probably at eight in the morning or seven in the morning, so therefore it was daytime in China. And we just became best friends. Uh, obviously, I, no need to mention that we hadn't slept that night. <laughs> and we probably came out of some some club. <laughs> and since then, we, we became very, very good friends.
1: Yeah, in fact, yes, it was like that. And yeah, I had no idea that you hated me uh, from that moment. I didn't on. I hated you. I just. Didn't no, know well, that. let's call it like that. <laughs> <laughs> and put uh, stones in the way or potentially uh, not wanting me. So I had no idea. And. Um, the other coincidence was also that uh, I signed up for the same management as Jeff, which knew Jeff quite well. And um, um, it was. And I was good friends with Lucas because we were teammates in Audi. So I was invited there and I said I was going. And I said, ah, Jeff will be there. So it's good that you're going to meet him. And um, I had no idea about all this. So I arrived there. And then, yeah, we just had a, an amazing time. And um uh, I think we connected pretty well, and we were on the same wavelength. And uh, yeah, I think uh, from that moment on, uh, a, a, a big uh, uh, fun story started, and uh, yeah, uh, the genre uh, <laughs> started <laughs> as well, and. Uh, um, season four uh, was really really a lot of fun um i mean it was tough for me to join from Lee at the beginning i had to learn a lot and jeff helped me really really a lot with the team uh, i think i had uh, the the best people around me and i'm still grateful for that today and um uh yeah we went around the world we traveled together and yeah just enjoying um racing races, yes. Every, and Put uh, the latest. <laughs> yeah it was uh, we did a lot of uh, cool things but uh, at the same time pushing really hard you know it was it was a, a good atmosphere to 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 work in also the, the whole Tecita team so we were um we were a small group but um pushing a lot and um yeah and enjoying what we were doing and switching very quickly from fun to being very professional so yeah there was uh there was um these moments in life uh, that that uh, that changed your life basically you know that you remember and uh, so you say, you're saying i changed your life you did i wasn't ah. actually um you know it was not an easy thing for me i was like um quite uh, established in the endurance uh racing you know and uh, audi stopped and i found a, a home at porsche but I uh, I had to accept that they, they pulled out after my first year, and then I found myself uh, n- uh, needing to find uh, an, an, a new professional environment because I was used to have it for so long, and um, um, you know I had, um, and Entechita was also quite new in this business and. Uh, you're wondering who who you're going to to encounter there you know and this <laughs> compared to like a huge powerhouse like Audi or Porsche you know <laughs> but to be honest i uh it was a very uh it was a like group, a startup. It was like a group of startup, yes. very bright people, and I mean, I don't know how many people were we in that that, that little apartment in in Velizy. Vé- I think I don't it was know, like, 10, like twelve, yeah, 10, ten, twelve, 12 yeah. people, and you know, they rented an apartment because we didn't have to develop a powertrain. We just had to to basically prepare the races, and and uh, yeah, it was uh, was quite impressive. <laughs> so yeah, that's how we became friends, and uh, we are still friends beyond our. Um, let's say uh, teammate time Um, I think that didn't change it's just a bit spending a bit less time together I guess I'm missing it yeah (laughs) (laughs) me too (laughs) me too Yeah, yeah I mean normally you get these kind of relationships only um if you're friends and you're sharing a car and endurance, but not really when you're racing against each other, so um, that was quite unique, and I don't think you you can find that quite often in in a career. So no, yeah, it was Definitely,
2: cool. it's very very rare. Yeah. When you start motorsport at early age, so from the age of ten, you learn very quickly that your greatest enemy is your teammate because he's technically the only guy that have the same. Um, Car, the same karting um, as you. So, the first point of comparison is, is always your teammate. And therefore, you, you, you learn very quickly that yeah, you need to beat your teammate. And for that, you know, they have, I mean, th- there is a lot of things uh, mind games, um, little secrets inside the team, and trying to politically steer the team towards you and, and make them uh, love you more than your teammate. And, and uh, I've known that for all my life, especially in, in Formula One. And I think with with what was different with André is that I guess because we are at a different age as well, and that um, I saw such a nice guy with not at all this mentality. And it was to me like refreshing. And I saw a new part in motorsport that i would never seen before that you could actually be friend with your teammate. And that's something so, so, so rare. But um, the fact that he had done a lot of endurance racing, I guess his mentality was not and we were not on the same line as, as with me and in that way you know he said that I helped him in, in some way but I think he helped me also in, in a big way to work together and, and to you know do that for the good of the team and I think the, the relationship we had inside the team was, was extremely healthy and uh, of course he wanted to beat me of course I wanted to beat him but honestly like when he was in front of when he was on the podium I was genuinely happy for him Um, And that was the first time in in my life and I thought that it was very refreshing and it also allowed me to be better as a driver because I was for once not focused on how can I destroy my teammate, I was just focused on how can I do a better job myself without thinking of that and I think that helped me a lot since then to just focus on my job. Pretty well explained I guess.
1: (laughs) The thing is, it's only actually your ego that's in the way in that moment. And uh, that's uh, what I managed to, to, to um, establish throughout my career. Maybe it's a combination of racing in Japan and having teammates that were Japanese and that were so in a different environment than me. And I was just welcomed there and then racing in endurance. And because uh, at the end of the day, I mean, there might be a bigger thing than just be beating your teammate, you know, so the goal should be to drive as fast as possible with your own car but like uh, he also mentioned it was uh, really nice and i think good for the team that they they don't have to 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 worry about that and that we were sharing all the informations for a, a genuine honest um good for for whether it was for him or for me or, or for everyone and um and especially in the championship like from Lee where you have very little track time we were not being able to to test on the track and any little bit of, of, of information or of anything that we could figure out to do better, it was shared and not kept for for, for each other. And I think uh, a family um, probably benefits from from teams uh, or, or teams in family benefits from that if they have two te- two teammates that that work really well together because it's a, it's, a, it's a positive spiral if you try to to beat each other and and not. Be healthy, then um, the whole team suffers from it.
2: All right, where does your love for racing come from? I
1: think we have a similar story. Um, both our dads. Uh, been involved. Um, from my side, um, he, my dad was a team principal. He also an engineer and team manager, so um, he had um, the luxury to to take me since I was born uh, with my mom to the racetrack, and it was the the first thing uh, I could remember. I wanted to become, uh, uh, looking up to to racing drivers, and um, I'll never forget. Uh, Um, the excitement I had when he told me that we're going to go karting for the first time and I couldn't sleep uh, and also before my first race uh, I I, I remember it was something important that uh, it was not just something for fun and um, yeah growing up in that environment um, yeah gave me the love for for motorsport
2: and as for me I I was technically born on a karting track my parents on a, a circuit near Paris and uh, not in the hospital I don't remember <laughs> <laughs> No, I, think I was born in the hospital of course but um, straight after my mom came out she went straight to to the cutting uh, circuit um, and um, I don't remember either but I see the pictures um, she didn't have time to buy the, the baby seat for uh, when we were at home so the only thing she found was a cutting seat so, you know, I have pictures of me like a few days old in a in karting seat by the office of my mom. And um, yeah, then I was, I technically lived on, on the circuit like for, for more than five years. And um, yeah, I was doing karting, I mean, every almost every day.
1: Yeah, because your parents were managing a go kart track, right? Yeah, yeah. Helped, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: it did help. It did help. But at some point, like when the, the karting became quite successful as a business, I never had time to uh, to drive anymore because the the circuit was always rented out for companies, you know, doing like uh, six hours race or Mm-mm. like uh, you know, and um, so therefore I uh, had little, um, very little track time at some point. But uh, anyway, like yeah, when I was five, six, seven, eight, I was uh, so I started very young. Impressive i can only remember what my parents told me because i don't even have the memory of of when i really started the only memory i have is that when they switch on the the engine um, it was a comer s60 and uh, i remember i got very scared and i think i cried because the engine noise would scare me
1: (laughs) you know what i did once in go-kart because my dad had a bit of an idea of apexes and everything, and uh, we were testing, and that was um, in the middle sector of this track in Belgium. I grew up in Belgium, and uh, the outside curb was quite aggressive. It was and in Genk? In eh, Mont Bourg. Ah, Bourg. I love this track. And um, it was like a left-hander, and I wouldn't open up the apex, you know, free up the go kart all the way to the to the outside curb. It was my my. My, my beginnings before i did my first race and um so my dad was like you have to open up and then i wouldn't do it then he thought it's a good idea to go on the track and and at the exit of the apex more or less in the middle of the track and helping me to, to <laughs> I pass, pass by, by, <laughs> on, by his side and then it was working well for like 10 lap he was standing in the middle of the track and it was giving me a bit of a uh, a line and then he he was Don't like you hit him and then he w- yeah he was <laughs> like okay i'm gonna try to move back to the edge of the track to see if i got the point and i arrived there and i remember <laughs> it's like where is he <laughs> <laughs> so then i because he was m- a bit more on the edge of the track i kind of somehow went towards him he went left i went left <laughs> he went right like and then boom i hit him <laughs> and then he he jumped in the air and broke two uh, two ribs and um i remember i was in the grass and i I was like daddy okay he was like yeah yeah driving, keep driving (laughs) so oh god
2: you should have put a cone yeah we didn't have it (laughs) oh a tire you know a wheel or something yeah yeah. so (laughs) that's a funny story yeah yeah
1: good way to break two ribs Without the support of your your parents, it's a very tough sport. It's not like you send your kids to, to soccer or tennis and coaches take care of you, you know, it's really individual. Sport. Um, I mean, for sure, the the, the tuner it can help you, you know. But it's you see that the, quite often that um, it's a family thing where you know. You, <laughs> I mean, at the beginning we didn't even have material. We 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 had like a, a an avant car and then um, put the seats down, the go kart in the back, and my mom, my dad, and my mom in the front, and I would sit in the go kart with my head like, <laughs> tilted on the roof, and then <laughs> driving two three hours away to go kart tracks and like following the steering and, and what my dad was doing in the go-kart. And then it grows, you buy a van, you know, and then you buy a bit more equipment, go more races and then, uh, yeah, things start to become expensive. And so on, 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 on my side, uh, my parents, uh, I owe them everything. Um, they ruined themselves, like we, we really got in debt. And then at a the point where internationally I was I was doing well, but we had to borrow money from, from my uncle that also we didn't have much. He put all his savings. We were at the point of no return, and um, not easy, you know, for 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 parents to to go that far. And um, yeah, so this uh, it's it still pushes me today because people invested so much in you, and uh, without having any parachute, you know. Some, of course, it's a lot of drivers also have talent, but also a bit of money because it it calls for that but um when it's you know when it's your whole existence you you, you kind of never give up and on, on it and um when you break make it through you know but there are also sad stories where the parents did that and the drivers didn't didn't make it through and uh it's it, that's 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 the tough you know, one but uh you know i um yeah i can say I'm lucky, but, you know, I worked really hard at it. You know, I had to, to go to Japan to continue my, my, my professional career because I didn't have any sponsorship. So I, I remade myself there and had the luck to be at the right place at the right time to come back to international scene and be in a good team and have a good car and uh, continue my career at a high level. Yeah.
2: What are your passions outside of racing? Passions. Passions.
1: Our passions outside racing. Um, yeah, quite a few. Um, I picked up on photography in 2016. It was my dad's hobby that um, I was the guinea pig uh, when uh, when I was a kid, <laughs> like at the go-kart track. Um, but um, I wanted to to, to to give it a try, it became a hobby. Uh, what else I like? Um, I like cars, I like collecting classic cars. Sometimes work a little bit on them. Play with my buggy, I have a, have a, a two-seater buggy, so... Cycling a little bit in the countryside, enjoy enjoy cooking, making pizzas, coffee. So um, yeah, we have we have similar passions actually, huh? We're very yes. different people, but we have uh, very similar passions. I mean, you spend a bit of money too, I think.
2: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know in what we're very different, but uh, we're not that different actually. I don't think so. I think we're we're, um, we're different, but we're, we're
1: similar at the same time. Otherwise, we would yeah. be friends. You know, you have to complete each other
2: a little bit. lovely so so romantic yes it it is
0: (laughs) um
2: well i before i met uh andre i had no passion and and uh (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: it's
2: kind of i mean (laughs) okay it's not true but kind of true
1: no we (laughs) we had we weren't clubbing there was a bit of a passion
2: yes that i mean some things we can't talk about uh (laughs) no but um it's it's true because um I used to like sunglasses, but Andre was a maniac about sunglasses. Since I met him, I bought more pair of sunglasses <laughs> in the next few years than I ever did in my all my life. Second thing was photography. Uh, my dad was a photographer and he loved photography and he always tried to teach me when I was a kid and I never wanted to hear about it. I met Andre and I see him with his cool Leica on the track, taking cool pictures and I could see him enjoying. So I was like, hmm. I mean, go. I'm going to do the same, you know, like, that's what a good team does, you know, we, we we're going towards the other one and try and understand what they do to, you know, maybe, I mean, it's it's cool because when you do more things together, it, it creates bonds as well. And, but I didn't do it for that reason. I was like, OK, so I bought my first Leica, then a second one, then a third one. And then <laughs> <laughs> so I spent quite, quite a bit of money there. Then uh, coffee, I always kind of like coffee, but uh, then I I came at Andre's and uh, you know I was making his beautiful uh, latte espresso uh, with a little bit of latte art and I was like oh god that's so cool I love that machine (laughs) so I bought this machine and then I didn't stop there (laughs) I bought another one and then I didn't stop there I saw Andre had a cool vintage machine so he gave me the same contact and I called the guy I said I want something bigger than what Andre has (laughs) so I bought uh, an even older machine Uh, a little bit different but um, (laughs) so yeah um, quite a lot of uh, s- s- similar passions. Um, watches. Watches. Yes, I was talking about cars. Like this is something we are completely different.
1: Yeah. Like this guy has no idea about cars. <laughs> like <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> what did you do once on the with your with the no, you company would, car? No,
2: oh God! Huh? You are so mean. Why, why do you bring? <laughs> this is really bad.
1: So. He actually refueled his <laughs> diesel car
2: with gasoline <laughs> 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 and broke down. <laughs> I would say that that's not true, but it is <laughs> true. It is. Well, that makes it true from the e-driver, right? Mm-hmm. That's what I said. I mean, that was a funny story. The guy that came to pick me up on the side of the motorway, he picked up the car, and I jump in the truck and I say. Hold a second you're not this guy uh ex formula one Jean Eric van right and i was kind of hiding So yeah yeah, yeah that's me that's me and he he told the car and he checked something quickly and said, what, what happened to your car and i generally didn't know what had happened even the, at that point i had no idea and uh, he said uh, you sure you put the right fuel in the car <gasps> and at that moment it clicked like i said oh my god of course i didn't put the right fuel and uh, it, it was quite embarrassing for me. But the guy died laughing and I had to find an excuse. I said, look, I'm driving Formula E electric cars, mate. So, I'll, you know, it's not my fault. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah but uh, yeah, about cars, I I don't collect cars. I bought only one car in my life. I um, doesn't
1: know if the car is a turbo or not, you know, like sometimes.
2: Uh, yeah. Can we stop there now, please? <laughs> because I'm sure you What's have a flat been? six. It's uh, a <laughs> six cylinders flat from Porsche, I know, come on. Now you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. So yeah, but uh, and and then watches. I, I love, I love uh, watches. And actually, I don't buy cars, so I can buy more watches. Um, so yeah, I'm, I've, um, I'm starting to have a, a nice little uh, collection of, of watches. I love the one I'm wearing, the Tiger Green d'Isle. Um I think it's amazing. Uh, I love it. Even Andre wanted to steal it from me now.
1: Yeah, cause I didn't get one, so I'm quite jealous on that. I think they're all
2: out, no? Yeah, they're out. It was limited edition. So I'm going to grab it.
1: Can, you, can I borrow it from you? No. Come on, I'll give you my connected one. No, it's a
2: Porsche one. I can't have it.
1: Just change the display. I'm sorry. Didn't I they can't. make you a Techita one? No. You could actually, no?
2: Your team is called Tag Porsche. Uh, Tag Porsche.
1: Yeah, but you're an ambassador. like. I, don't know.
2: Yeah, I know, but not of Tijita. No, it it's will be really conflict nice of. Uh, it will be the conflict of interest.
1: You want to swap it with my V4? Uh, ah. Uh. You know the V4? Yeah, I was a Taghoya. Po- I um, thought it was
2: a sort of uh, engine, no V4. <laughs>
1: Well, that was the engine (laughs) in the 919 actually, uh, V4, Um, but I was a a, a Tag Heuer ambassador when I was racing in Japan and uh, I had the privilege to to, um, also get some really nice timepieces. And um, and, uh, I purchased actually my own V4 with a bit of a discount, but still it was uh, quite a a special watch. Me too. You purchased it yourself, so we are not only ambassadors but we're also
2: customers exactly. of the brand that really About shows true one. love yes it was limited edition so i could actually get
1: my my uh my first watch was uh a tag heuer i really uh, annoyed my parents and um i mean the poor <laughs> my poor parents like they they were already in limit with with carting and everything and but it was my 18th birthday and they wanted to do something nice and um and, uh, yeah, I got a Heuer um, Link chronograph. So that was... Uh, it's the one
2: that Ayrton was wearing. Right?
1: Yeah, I was big yeah. Ayrton Senna fan. So that inspired me from the beginning on. And, um, I mean, I turned 18 in 2000, but that time the, the Link was, was such an iconic. I had the silver and um, with um, the black dial, but yes, and I was wearing the brown leather strap with the gold, the gold yeah. and the white face. So yeah, that was um, 90s style, pretty cool. Right,
2: right, André, so tell me a bit more about this uh, one two earlier this year, the one that I finished behind you. I was watching you from far away. <laughs>
1: You mean the Mexico one? Yes. Um, Yeah, it was a a really important moment for the team uh, to break through for a team like Porsche, putting a lot of effort and resources into Formula E. And uh, we were very dominant the whole weekend. Um, It's just that for me, it's a bit bitter to finish second because I think I had a bit the edge in terms of performance. But um, we worked as a team. And um, it was clear from the beginning that uh, we were not attacking each other. So uh, I can only blame myself for a little mistake I made in qualifying, which um cost me the win the win i guess if i would have made it uh, um in in into the final uh, and and get the pole position but um yeah at the beginning of the race it was looking a bit tricky because uh, we were actually targeting one uh, lap uh, more than the others and um, we had to survive i was getting a bit backed up into um into the field and um I was telling the team we need to go (laughs) because it's getting tricky. And then um, uh, I had a bit more energy. But then uh, we we moved forward and then we found ourselves in in first and second place. And then uh, even though, let's say, have more energy or a bit faster there w- there was no fair reason for the team yeah, to, to swap uh, places because then actually you work against each other he's going to try to pass and burn more energy, and me and i'm going to try to burn more energy defending so then you just go backwards so we we had to capitalize especially on you had a that. good
2: margin huh? like compared to me I yeah was behind so far away so
1: far yeah so we were really far ahead so the, i yeah. mean i completely understand that and uh so i could only blame myself you know for that but Overall, the the, the main uh, target was achieved for the team, and everyone was very happy. And um, yeah, it was a it was a really nice dominant one too. Okay, should I ask you a question? There was a lot of pressure during the season finale in New York. Um, how did you deal with that?
2: Um, I um, in the in the second title, no, when I won on the second day. What did you do the weeks before to prepare? did i do something i forgot huh mm-hmm. i have for, for july in in the hamptons i don't know i wasn't divided so, <laughs> so that's why you're <laughs> jealous <laughs> uh no i did nothing special um no i i did do Well some. you
1: arrived with quite a good point lead. yeah right? but the first so day when
2: the first day went quite bad and uh um, so what
1: times were uh, deleted no
2: no that was the second year
1: ah yeah the, f- the, the yeah, second when, year yeah, when i crashed with massa
2: yeah, you drove into no, me. Lucas
1: drove into me. I drove into you yeah, 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 and yeah. we were both kind of out.
2: Yes. Yes, this one, this one. So, that was the Saturday. Yeah. And uh on the, yeah, Saturday night I, yeah, I don't think I would have slept, but I watched uh What's the name of this movie? I watched a funny movie. Days of Flander. No. No. Deadpool. I watched Deadpool.
0: Deadpool. Yes.
2: That made me uh, that made me laugh and uh, i was in good mood for the sunday
1: <laughs> i don't remember how sl- slim was the point gap or
2: that was good enough yeah i won
1: which which did you want the race or you want
2: the no no, race? no i won the championship by finishing sixth or seventh the second day mm-hmm. i think yeah, we, we have to
1: continue in. here because the next question is was there a moment when you thought this is isn't going to happen And how did you overcome that
2: no i never thought that because i had enough point lead i was just very frustrated not to have won the championship on the on the first day i wanted to to be over uh, with uh, as quickly as possible but it wasn't so i think it was more frustration than uh, than any kind of doubt um so yeah no i never doubted
1: And the moment you crossed the line it was nice do you remember how you felt as you got out of the car? What were your first thoughts?
2: Um, the second season, I don't remember. The first uh, season, I um, I was thinking of Jules um, when I when I won the, the, the championship. Jules Bianchi. Yeah, yeah. So that was yeah. My first thought was uh, you were you know, close uh, to him. No, we were never really close but i mean we actually grew up together and we were always the enemies you know always fighting hard each other but our fr- our, our parents were very close friends and and uh, we know each other since we are nine years old and, and um, so we we did everything together and uh, he went to single sitter one year earlier i uh, ride right in f1 one day uh, one one year earlier but uh yeah i mean we were we were we we are close and um yeah, I thought it was nice to uh, to think of. I mean, think of him uh, when I won the title. It's like two little kids starting go kart, making it.
1: Yeah, yeah, always nice. Yeah, unfortunately, he's not there to see it.
2: Yeah. It
1: reminds us that motorsport is dangerous, right?
2: Yeah, no, for sure. And, uh, there are, you know, things also more important in life than uh, you know just a bad result or a good result. And uh, sometimes we we need relative, to exactly yeah. we need to put things in in perspective and uh, you know enjoy the life uh, as long as we we can be you know professional in, in what we do but uh, you know always enjoying it and uh, giving it our, our maximum you know and that's what uh, that's what I do and I can see also that's what you do <laughs> <laughs> yes, because yes. because you're still racing and um, that comes to my next question you've driven like any kind of even formula one you did race one race with me in spa yeah and i was test driver
1: actually also when i was 19. so you
2: drove everything you won everything except a formula e race unfortunately yeah (laughs) it's gonna come it's gonna come half face um so what keeps you going what keeps me going because I think you're the oldest driver in the in the paddock
1: fair to mention Um, what keeps me you mentioned about
2: the flat six you know in my Porsche yeah
1: yeah I'm 40 proud of it (laughs) still uh, still kicking Um, no truly just the passion I love what I do I love the life the racing driver you know it's I'm fortunate enough to 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 live from it and you know when you race for a team like Porsche you represent them you're their ambassador you're in the race of the future you know also from Lee's first time you can combine your sport with a strong message for cleaner air you know represent electromobility so it's nice that uh, you can carry that as well but most of all just just you know the passion and it's i've been doing that all my life and it keeps me going so um, yeah i'm still uh, highly motivated and enjoy being in in the driver's seat it's a fun thing
2: yeah and i i think it's uh it's probably difficult you know when uh like you know sebastian vettel um retirement and like he, he announced that uh not long ago and um I think it's it's difficult to come at some point in your career, you know, saying that's it. I mean what what I mean you can only know more than than I do obviously, but what goes through your mind that would tell you okay, that's it, I'm I'm done. I mean Sebastian Vettel was family reasons. Uh what 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 would and what will be your reason? Um
1: well I'm not a at a point of family reasons, but I don't think. I mean, you can only, I guess, answer that question if you have family, because it probably changes your whole perspective of life. Uh, I've always been fully dedicated, uh, without compromise, to the sport. But uh, as of now, if I realize that I'm not fast anymore, or that I'm, I'm feeling that I'm in the wrong place, or that I'm, I'm not motivated, or that I'm, I don't have the ability, or um I think then at that point in time I have to be honest to myself and be like okay like uh that's it then the question is what do you do like do you um stop completely or because right now we are racing at the highest level of motorsport I mean there's like Formula One and Formula E they have the best drivers um but you can still continue racing and helping you know, teams um, maybe in endurance and um, not completely stop, but just change a bit uh, the level. But that still you need motivation and you need passion for it. So and you still
2: have the motivation to go years after years, uh, test after test, race after races, um, practice session after practice session, qualifying after qualifying, races after races to always look at the data corner by corner like for the, the 220 settings. kilowatt like the quality it's mode like the settings the entry the div, the break balance the end of break balance all of those settings that you do basically this in the simulator on a race day and you keep doing that forever like you don't have i mean how do you feel on this is uh, where you um feel like you
1: uh, you are at work and you have your commitment towards that as a professional driver. And I have to say honestly that motorsport was a little bit more fun um, before um, when I was racing in Japan um, or in in, in LMP1 um, because it was not that complex and it was just really about getting into the driver's seat and drive as fast as you can and then yeah, you had debriefs and everything, but Formula E is the most complex one, and it it's this is the first time I realize that you have to be professionally committed outside of the car. And yeah, look in every detail. And look in every detail, but it's for your own good. But you know, it, for sure, it, it's tough sometimes, especially Formula uh, E. Like the the two aspects that are make it really tough is the 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 simulator. You know, we spent four days in the sim. And it's making you tired in a different way, like mentally, it's draining. You're in this pain cave, and uh, you have to keep going. And um, but yeah, that's part of your your commitment to to yourself, to the team, and that's where you you know you you have to go beyond your the fun, you know. And it's not only about fun, you know. A lot of people, you know, they, they spend the whole day, the whole week in the office. You know, we 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 still. Are in a privileged position, and you have to uh, make it relative to that. And um, I think that's how that what's the relativity that keeps me going in the professional aspect. And the other one is you know, the Formula E races are so intense. And then this uh, this week we're here in London, and the schedule is not too bad, but um, we have to wake up quite often at five thirty in the morning, uh, and for free practice at seven, and then you have to do these settings, and you're tired and uh, but yeah it's 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 endurance and it's the, the the challenge that keeps you keeps you going basically that's true i mean there's two more questions here i mean who were the first people you spoke to i guess to after your title and the other one is looking back at the season what do you think gave you the edge over everyone else
2: uh what gave me the edge was an amazing teammate yeah <laughs> the right answer yes <laughs> That's why I read it out. I'm sure he was
1: going to say that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank you for listening to this very special episode of The Edge. Let us know what you thought in the comments, wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've enjoyed it, don't forget to subscribe and leave us five stars. It does make a difference. Thank you so much to André and Jean-Éric for joining us. I'm your host, Theo van den Bruke, and I'll be back next month with another episode of The Edge, a podcast by Tag Hoyer. See you soon.